This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. Hello everyone and welcome to this special contribution as part of the Good for Hair podcast series hosted by Anatomy of a Scream. My name's Rebecca and I am assistant editor at Ghouls Magazine where I co-host our Ghouls Gang podcast which explores our monthly themes. I'm also a writer of horror think pieces and have bylines at Dread Central, Grim Journal and Room Morgue. And recently, I am the author of Mums and Sons, a zine that looks at familial relationships in horror. But today I have a very special podcasting partner with me. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, uh, my name's Melissa and I am also a writer over at Ghouls Magazine um, and also write for Moving Pictures Film Club, mainly also on a bit of horror. Um, and I also write my own little blog about short horror fiction called Short and Sour. Amazing. So um, the film that we're discussing today, big inhale of breath <laughs> and a bit of a sob and a cry, but don't worry, we are going to hold you through this, uh, is Ariasta's Midsummer. So um, Melissa, I think if I'm remembering rightly that you threw this one out and you were like, Let's do Midsummer. Yes, I think, yeah, when it came up with, it's the, I think that's one of the ones that, if you mention the sort of the, what's become a bit of the subgenre of uh, Good For Her, I think Midsummer's become almost like the, you know, the sort of first example that people go to of this and with the, you know, the kind of now almost iconic imagery of putting putting someone in a bear and burning them. So <laughs> it's a... Uh, yeah, it's become this like very striking visuals with it. So I was like, I think this is it's a prime, you know, prime target for this kind of series. Of what we have to do with summer for this, really. Yeah. So just in terms of then, when we're thinking about what we mean when we say good for her, <laughs> like for me, I guess I, you know, I'm thinking about as well as having those sort of cathartic moments where women are put under extreme circumstances and then forced to, to maybe do questionable things. And, you know, there's a lot of like, almost like subgenres that sit within it, you know, like rape revenge and things like that. Mm. Um, what does like go for her mean to you? I think, yeah, like you said, it's become a bit of, it's a very fluid sort of subgenre. I think, mm. like I said, it's often with, characters who can be you know very ambiguous not necessarily someone that you'd root for all all the way along with what they're doing people who you know might have questionable motives or doing questionable things um but you know people who are interacting you know and reacting to often the things done to them and then it's sort of I think it explores the questions of where you go from that especially you know with like trauma responses or you know acting on you know acting out larger societal sort of you know issues and fears um and like I said often in a sometimes quite an uncomfortable storyline it's not necessarily I think often clear-cut you might sometimes cheer for people and then feel feel that there's something underlying it that you're not that doesn't sit quite easily but then you know it's that's what makes I think this this little sort of subgenre very interesting is that it's always been something to explore rather than 
you know, a simple, clear cut, you know, here's the moral. This is simple. It's it's often much more complicated than that. Yeah, I love that like ambiguity that comes with it. It's one of the things that fascinates me most. But um, what I also think is interesting is like if we're looking at Guffa here is who is telling these stories and mm. you know who's writing them, who's directing them, who's involved in in putting that story out there. And I think not without exception, but for, for much of the cases that it's it's white sort of cisgender men that are telling these stories. Mm. And what would be great is if that we could sort of open that up more and just have, you know, a better representation, not only mm-hmm. the people that are telling the stories, but the protagonists that are at the centre of these films often occupy, you know, it's like a white middle class, mm-hmm. you know. So I think it would be great to, to explore more kinds of, of, of voices that can, you know, tell these stories. What do you, what do you think about, about that? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Yes, it's definitely. And I think, yeah, Midsummer is is definitely a bit of an example of that. Although I think Midsummer is also complicated. So I'd, I'd class it almost as a bit of a, as a, a bit of a sort of bad for her and that this isn't, you know, what happens with <laughs> Danny is not, it's not in the end particularly great. And I think it has a lot of criticisms of the community she ends up with. But yeah, absolutely. I think that this type of film and, you know, a sort of, justified revenge and this sort of narrative arc I think has you know it's it's definitely got further to go in more interesting places and more you know places to go which are more representative of you know different people and the voices and I think that's something that I'd hope to see happen more in the future for sure. Yeah so before we get into our discussion then I am I'm sure everyone who's listening has seen Midsummer, but just in case it's been a, a little while since you've seen it or, or if you haven't managed to catch it yet, I thought I'd just do a quick synopsis. So uh, Midsummer then tells the story of Danny, who in the film's opening discovers that her sister has taken her own life, which has also resulted in the death of their parents. Danny is left alone and in grief with only her distant and dismissive boyfriend but I could come up with worse words but I'm being polite Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Christian uh, who uh, invites Danny on a trip to a midsummer festival in Sweden with a group of his friends she finds herself embroiled and intoxicated by the May Day competitions and festivities but it soon becomes apparent that there are also dark acts of violence going on behind the scenes as Danny is forced to make a significant choice involving Christian. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Right then. Okay, let's get into our discussion of the film. So, yeah, the opening of this film is very, there's so many moods going on and it just really pulls you in. I think Ariosta's really good at doing that in just taking you from the real world into his world which is Mm -hmm. in both hereditary and midsummer very dark and glib and like okay we're in a bad place (laughs) yeah definitely (laughs) um so we sort of begin with like this tapestry and it's like there's a lot of like schools and this idea of like darkness going to light which Mm -hmm. is reflected in a lot of 
sort of the art that we see in the film, which I really like, because that seems to reflect Danny's journey in a way, at least a sort of inner journey. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of feel like in that first scene that we see her, she's it's crucial really that she's alone, so there's nobody else around her. You know, mm-hmm. it really speaks to that isolation that she's feeling and an inability to like connect with other people. And you know, Danny is someone that is there for other people. But it doesn't really seem like other people are there for her, which is really, it's really sad, isn't it? Yeah, like, I mean, this is one of the little things I've watched this probably, well, I don't know how many times that, but um, it's one <laughs> of the things on the last rewatch I did uh, for this podcast that even when she's, uh, you know, she's at her computer worried because she's received a, a sort of really concerning email from her sister and she's scrolling through her phone. Um, I think she's been, obviously, she's been trying to call her parents a lot um and also I think Christian and maybe some other people and you see like her full screen of calls and it's sort of quite on the nose but it says every single one says like the number and failed to connect which is a kind of you know it's a very it's sort of blink you miss it but it's a it's a very much a stark visual of her looking at a phone and it's just an entire screen of her not being able to connect with anyone sort of put into a very literal um literal visual um sort of uh, picture there so it's, I thought that was that was quite an interesting detail yeah. that's obviously you know that's using a bit of the you know the visuals on screen to really represent like you said her loneliness and her, her sort of desperation to connect with someone but an absolute inability to or you know not getting any responses yeah okay, I hadn't picked up on that but oh, <laughs> yeah that's I was just thinking how anxiety inducing that is that she just can't get in touch but yeah it's like you say it's a, it's a literal like manifestation of her inability to mm. connect with other people or for other people to connect with her or yeah. like I guess it's almost like telegraphing the fact that connection is going to be like a really important theme in the film mm. um so so yeah so like once once she in terms of like Danny's journey then like once she gets to Sweden you know I think I think there's a real mix in Danny of like strength and endurance but like freedom and letting go like I feel a lot of her journeys about letting go and like finding some sort of inner power um because there's lots of things that you know while as I said sort of in the synopsis while you, you know the festivities and everything that's going on in the community seemed very idyllic and welcoming. Mm-hmm. You know, she's also exposed to, you know, witnessing the 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 deaths of two of the elders mm-hmm. in the community, which is a real reminder to her of like uh, the loss of her own family, isn't it? And mm-hmm. you know, I think what's key in that moment is that Danny is focused and she's watching. It's like she's confronting those deaths. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, it's it's very, uh, like, I think in the visuals, it really, it sort of zooms in on her, everything else falls away, and she's just experiencing that, you know, very sort of solo. Like I said, in terms of, like, letting go, I think one of the things, one of, I think, one of the only sort of positive things is that she, she does sort of let go, I think, of her anxiety around Christian, eventually, um, although maybe not sort of fully her anxieties around you know everything else in her life but she does at the beginning you can see when she's when they're still in America and then when she first gets to Sweden there's there's just a lot of um you know wanting to go along and not cause any trouble essentially not make herself the problem like when when she's annoyed with him because he didn't 
talk to her about going to Sweden and, you know, is making some fair points. But there's, you know, I think the panic about being left alone when he says that he's going to leave and she just has to, you know, flips it totally around and, you know, persuades him to stay. And then there's the anxiety again about being when they arrive in Sweden, everyone wants to do mushrooms and she's not sure. But then the anxiety around you know being part of the group I think that that's something that falls away from her because it's yeah she goes from sort of not wanting to ruin things for other people to going ahead and you know being off on on her own and doing her own thing really separate from them but I think it's also that's also slightly guided by the community which it's maybe not a maybe not a totally uh you know benign uh benign like like an independent decision yeah yeah I think so what I think's really interesting as well about that the scenes of like Danny watching the elders die is it makes me think of us as horror fans and Mm. our ability to look and to not look away it's it's just like really puts me in Danny's position because I think yeah as someone who loves horror I do want to watch, like, want to see, I want to confront the the grimmer, darker aspects of life. Yeah, and it's a, yeah, it's a very direct thing of, obviously, a lot of the reasons that people watch horror is because it's, it's rep, you know, it's exploring and representing things that happen in real life. With Daniel, obviously, this is a very direct and sort of sudden, uh, you know, parallel that she's watching. But, yeah, you're right, it's that kind of holding that gaze, watching something awful happen. Although for her, this is very real. And again, the, the visuals is like Arista does not shy away from showing you no. <laughs> the damage and the, the sound design on that as well is, is very, very uncomfortable. It's sort oh, of, you yeah, know, the sound. It's, yeah, it's a kind of brings home a little bit more of the a sort of lack of lack of a score at that point and the slightly more, I would say, you know, tending towards more the realism with the sound is it's very it sort of makes it worse almost than the you know any kind of over the top gore it's just yeah it's just very quiet and quick but very devastating so in talking about family then and sort of community so like we've touched on the fact that like Danny suffers this tremendous familial loss Mm -hmm. and then she's sort of in this in-between world with Christian and his friends and then she's sort of launched into this community in, in, in Sweden who do everything together you know there's for me it's like I'm really torn you know because part of me is mm. like it it looks really like idealistic and you know there's no technology and you know everyone's self-sufficient and I'm like oh that life looks really good but on the flip side I'm like there's no individuality and like it's just mm. quite quite choking yeah it's it does feel I think the more every time I watch it I feel like I'm because you know becoming more and more seeing you know the Haga as the, the the definitely the sort of the major villains of the film and why that Danny ending up there is you know the situation that is bad for her <laughs> <Which> is, <laughs> And like I said, the community is, it's very tight knit, but to, you know, to a fault. And it's, it also seems somehow, you know, not fully genuine. I feel like, especially the scenes at the end where, you know, you have the the women crying with Danny, which is, it's also obviously very cathartic for her, but I also find that scene very strange in that it, it sort of, 
is it really them feeling something with her or are they almost like just mimicking her um you know it somehow feels like maybe they're just sort of by almost by habit being like we're such a community if you're we're just doing this together almost out of habit and again the scenes at the at the very end when the fire temple's burning and all the the community is sort of screaming alongside the people inside the building and it's it feels almost it's like it feels very performative it's like performative sympathy yeah and it seems it's sort of I found that sort of very uncomfortable it's like you know especially when you know with the the two uh villagers who are in there they've given them you know something where they're saying you know feel no pain here's some <laughs> you know here's some you treat or they're trying to sort of pretend that maybe they feel no pain but then they're also performing this outside but you know almost to to make it ritualized rather than real to maybe yes. not have to think about the real pain that these people are going through so uh, yeah it's definitely a kind of that darker side to having such a tight-knit community yeah it's like part of me loves that I'm sure I've, I've used it as a gif on Twitter <laughs> the, the sort of crying the, the girls but like part of me really does find that cathartic because I think it helps Danny to release that emotion that she needed to get out mm. but then another part of me is like these are my you know if I'm Danny like these are my feelings and they belong to me let me yeah. have them like this is my space to have yeah. these feelings it almost mm-hmm. like ne- ne- like undervalues their feelings I think yeah it's like almost slightly like a competition like they're all and then there's so many of them they're like they're sort of drowning her out it's like yeah we can all just scream together and you'll just be one scream amongst all of us but none of those other sort of 15, 16 women are actually feeling it. So there's yeah. only one genuine voice in there and she's getting drowned out. And I think yeah. it's, it's a kind yeah. of like, look how much we care about you by we're screaming with you. But there's no, I think what is this sort of, it feels like there's no listening going on. It's like no one's actually listening to what, you know, to, to what Danny is feeling. It's like a kind of, there's a weird, like, I guess, at the beginning when when you know she's initially crying in like uh on in Christian's arms at the beginning when she first finds out about her family and he is sort of hugging her but almost in a sort of slightly awkward distant way yeah and a bit detached and it feels like now in in the the with the Haga in Sweden they're sort of overly attached it's like too much they're too close yeah sort of lots of I feel like there's also a lot of um at least there's a lot of touching in this film when you get to <laughs> you know the, the <laughs> into like housing land and into the village there's you know it's there's subtle little bits but also I think there's a sort of pushing of personal boundaries which get ramped yes. up towards the end with both Danny and Christian getting you know pushed around you know Danny's dressed for her led on the dance like obviously Christian is you know like sexually assaulted and like pushed around whilst that's happening um and it's all very I think there's sort of gradual boundary crossings until there's sort of no separation between them and the community anymore which is okay like a breaking down like the boundaries are just slowly broken so that Danny Danny doesn't even recognize them anymore yeah yeah that's definitely one of the yeah one of the sort of yeah two two tighter communities of like drawing her into the community and gradually kind of subsuming her in a way I think 
sort of the the process that it goes through even though like I said in some ways she's becoming more independent and she's definitely becoming independent of Christian but she's she's getting you know gradually almost like taken over by this new community and then you know by the end she's like literally you know they're both literally covered like consumed and covered in like flowers and the bear suit and the fire and there's sort of there's very little of themselves left in the end yeah absolutely and I think it's it's totally understandable why Danny would be drawn to this community mm. you know because when she hears like the word family like from the community it, it doesn't mm. it doesn't unsettle her like Mark one of Christian's friends says it earlier and I put her on edge and she sort of has to go to one side for a bit but mm. when it comes from the community she seems to 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 feel like that's an indication of somewhere where she could belong and I think mm. she's searching for somewhere where she can belong and she's searching for a family and just to be accepted in a pure and genuine mm. like way you know um she's also told like welcome home so I think there's this sense of yeah. her, like returning to something to and, and like returning to herself as well like mm. herself being a familiar place and home being like a familiar place and those sort of things like working in tandem yeah, so it's, you know, especially the way like Pele describes the, uh, like, you know, the community that it's it's like they're all sort of one big family. There's not really a distinction between specific biological, like nuclear family unit sort of things that they just regard themselves as essentially one large family. And I suppose that's, you know, Danny having like lost her actual family that, you know, that's something you can't replace at all. But if you're then in in a place that doesn't regard family in quite the same way there's an opportunity for like having a different kind of family um yeah exactly like family doesn't always have to look like you know a certain way hmm. um and then I also feel like you know it's interesting that after Danny feeling alienated in the first portion of the film and Christian sort of being surrounded by his friends, I feel like there's a definite through point in the film where she begins to find like an openness and, you know, acceptance and she speaks the language, whereas Christian mm. feels increasingly isolated and alienated. Mm. So I feel like they almost like exchange journeys at, at yeah. certain points yeah Christian definitely starts off a lot yeah a lot more comfortable and yes yeah, surrounded by his friends who you know definitely are not comfortable around Danny and you know exclude her even though they have sympathy for her it's sort of they're just uncomfortable mainly um and like I said the kind of the crossover definitely happens where Danny seems to have more power even quite yeah you know even at the point where you know, she's being taken into the kitchen to do some cooking and Christian is, I think, just a loose end. And it feels like, you know, he's like, oh, I'm not supposed to be the loose end here. That's supposed to be Danny. <laughs> but, um, but again, just being, I've got sort of got my, my sort of cynical reading of Midsummer on definitely is that it feels, especially once, once I'd watched it a few times, you can see all the way through, I think, the way that it's that's being deliberately guided and that Danny is being you know completely manipulated by the Haga it's it seems like everything is is very much set up to specifically appeal to her as well and to mm. you know I think they know because I think you know because Pele knows everything about 
you know, uh, her and Christian's relationship, about her vulnerabilities, about her family, that everything is really, you know, there, there's no way of us knowing how much this is real at all, because it's, you know, they obviously sort of want her to stay, want her to be May Queen, and everything is sort of set up like everything Pele says, you know, making her May Queen, inviting her in, you're like, it's never clear how much of this is really genuine or not and it feels very much like well they're saying all the right things to Danny yeah I like said everything that she wants like welcome home we're a fact you're like you're part of our family now it's like it's sort of it's up it's her wish fulfillment really it's like yeah yeah so, and I think yeah. it's almost like an overstimulation isn't it it's like a technique mm. of like all these colors all these festivals like there's like there's something powerful about rituals as well isn't there mm. it breaks down like barriers because it helps yeah. us to sort of get closer to people just through watching how other people behave and thinking oh you know almost like crowd mentality of like that's how yeah. I need to behave mm. Um, yeah there's definitely that and I think that they're also you know she's getting love bombed essentially that <laughs> yeah. it's you know it's at a time when of, she's vulnerable and yeah it's like, I think who wouldn't swim towards that it's like yeah if you're getting like I said very little very little support from Christian um and especially like I said there's a sort of separation point I think it might only be in the direct spot where there's like there's actually a scene at night where they have like a real you know there's a, a bit more of a a kind of an argument that they have that that really you know really pushes them apart um and it's just after that that you know Danny starts to being dressed in the same way as all the people in the village and then yeah it's just kind of all love her way and then everyone's like oh Christian whatever <laughs> you know it's very <laughs> it's a very kind of deliberate I think isolation of her which is yeah you know I, but I think she's you know I think she felt isolated anyway yeah because she sort of felt alone even when she was with Christian so you know I think from her point of view maybe no matter what the motivations at least she's you know she's not being kind of dismissed or ignored or like I think what she feels like is Christian sort of putting up with her essentially yeah and you know so it's I think they've, they've sort of calibrated everything exactly right to sort of appeal to Danny's like specific vulnerabilities yeah I, I like that point that you made it's like almost about acknowledging her which Christian doesn't do and and some mm. of the things that Pele points out are correct it's like he does forget her birthday and you know but it's like you say it's like because he's got that inside information that the relationship's already on unstable ground mm. he can exploit that yeah it's like <laughs> there's definitely I think yeah wedges being pushed in <laughs> I can't remember this specifically there's yeah there's there's some definite like pointed comments or sort of like supposedly innocent comments that come from that are you know a kind of awkwardly point up you know the the kind of sore points I think in Danny and Christian's relationship they're kind of I think those sore points are pushed on to the point that you know they're they're drawn completely apart and Dally sort of led to make the decision that she does. Yeah. And so when when you when we have that sort of key moment, then where Pele says to Danny, you know, do you feel held? Mm. What, what's your interpretation of that? Then, do, are, are you have you got a are you cynical about that as well, or 
I'm pretty cynical about that. I do feel like you're anti pellet. Oh, I'm very anti pellet. Yeah, I think pellet is just, you know, I think he's, yeah, he's totally, he's the sort of main main manipulator of the whole thing. I think that Christian, Christian is an awful boyfriend and awful. he's definitely gaslighting. I think one of the things, that, one of the notes I wrote down about Christian though was he's sort of like, gaslighting her through laziness it's like the path of least resistance <laughs> yeah. you know like there's a moment I think when just sort of go off on a bit of a tangent they um when when they're having that argument near the beginning about uh he didn't tell her that they were going to Sweden and then he eventually comes out with well I was going to ask you to go and she's like you don't want me to go and he's like yeah well it was going to be a surprise and now you've ruined it and this that and it's like yeah but it feels like something he's just pulled out of thin air and now he's going with it and he is completely, you know, he's gaslighting her, making her feel bad about things. But I think because he's like, well, this is the easiest thing to do right now to get me out of this argument. And it's, it's yeah. kind of sheer. To, to flip it back onto her as well, which is oh, just yeah. awful. Yeah, awful. it's terrible. It's awful. It's the kind of, I think he's, it's two different types of, you know, really toxic behaviour. I think Christian is just sort of, you know, wanted to get a relationship too cowardly to actually have an honest conversation now he sort of feels bad but also you know also doesn't and you know I think even you know doesn't doesn't have the courage to do what's right for Danny which is probably not being in this relationship um and then but Pele I think yeah again having on multiple watches I feel much more (laughs) cynical towards Pele it just it does feel like everything he does is very carefully designed to you know to manipulate Danny and to draw her further into the community so we've touched a little bit on uh Christian so let's have a full deconstruction of (laughs) possibly the worst boyfriend in the world um so yeah like as you've said already like you know I really feel like Danny feels that she's a burden to Mm. Christian which is just it's so upsetting to watch you know and she she really clings to him doesn't she as she said it's like Mm. it's almost as though him being there is better than no one being there and it's like it's a last resort but she just doesn't want to be alone yeah absolutely like the it's really quite it's quite hard to give a little bit you know sadly really when they're having the argument and she's making really strong reasonable points about you know that it was unfair for him to you know just not even mention to her about the trip to Sweden and then as soon as he just says you know not angry with me he's like well I'll just you know let's just go and she just you know can't that's you know being left alone at that point in time is the sort of she's like I'll say sorry for anything that you know she just completely again takes all the blame for the argument on herself completely changes everything around to make him feel better like I said it's she yeah she feels very much the need to sort of cling to him in those moments and like at the beginning she mentioned so many times that she feels like she's leaning on him too much that yeah she's she's bringing him too many of her problems um you know what if she's yeah like burdening him and yeah it's just it's it's something that I think he he is encouraged really or doesn't definitely doesn't try to 
you know, help, you know, it's, it's a kind of like, you know, he doesn't really listen to her essentially, especially when, when she's on the phone at the very start. It's, it's a, he does make it seem like, you know, she is bothering him, but it's like, you know, when she's talking about her family, he's like, ah, it's just happening again. It will be the same old, same old. Yeah. It's oh, nothing it's, to worry about. It's very it, dismissive. It's so, it's, it's so subtle, but once you sort of get onto it, it's, I, the, I see so much of it, this behavior where it's like you, you let your sister manipulate you. It's like, a sister mm. has bipolar and you know these situations are highly stressful for Danny it's like he mm. never asks how are you are you okay you know mm. and when there's another moment when he says to his group of friends you know I invited her she accepted but she's not coming she's not gonna come it's like <laughs> yeah. oh gosh like so what is he thinking at that moment it's I think like, what, what it feels like throughout the whole film with Christian it I think it's he's a sort of very well-drawn character in a very specific way which is yeah. it seems like he's someone who has has probably had things go very well for him without mm. him having to put in any effort <laughs> yeah because it seems like that with his relationship it seems like he doesn't have he doesn't have to put in much effort because Danny mm. is doing all the worrying about the relationship as on top of her own worries it feels like he doesn't have to do anything about his academic career and his thesis that he doesn't he doesn't know what he's doing but is really prickly and defensive when any when anyone brings it up um you know if Danny mentions it and he's like you know I haven't decided it's like well that's on you (laughs) don't and then you know and then goes and tries to steal Josh's idea and it's like it's a very so so triggering it's just it's the absolute worst it's so it seems like yeah Christian has essentially been you know, he seems very much like a man who has been able to essentially coast through and yeah. not do anything. And with, you know, with Danny's worries and her family problems, I think Christian's main motivation and thought seems to be like, you know, just hoping it'll go away. And he's, I think yeah. his thing is like, I don't want to deal with it because it's stressful and sad. Hopefully it'll just be fine and I won't have to do anything about it. And then she'll cheer up. And the same for when he invites her on the trip. He's just like, okay, well, I've, I've, I've invited you because I just wanted to avoid an argument. Uh, and then he's like, but I'm sort of hoping you'll eventually decide not to come. And then his friends are like, well, she's not coming. It's like, well, then he's not going to do the difficult thing of saying, actually, don't come. He doesn't want to do the difficult thing. That's it, yeah. exactly. That's it, exactly. And yeah. You know, he's also really dismissive when when Danny tells him about the British couple, like Connie and Simon, about Simon mm. just being disappearing almost. Mm. And you know, he, he dismisses her and just continues to ask questions to one of the members of the community about his thesis. Oh yeah. Just this this moment of like you're you know, you're secondary to to me, and it's like I'm not mm. I'm not again, it's that echo of what you were saying about the the sort of crying moment of Danny not being listened to or heard. Mm. You know, it's, I, th- I find Christian very performative. It's like all the right gestures, but there's no conviction behind them. No, there's, yeah, there's very little. I think he'll, yeah, he seems like he's happy to do stuff when it's easy. And that's his, his main sort of character motivation. Really. It's like, if it's, if it's difficult, he'll just sort of, 
sulk off essentially and but doesn't like to be reminded that he doesn't want to do anything <laughs> difficult um yeah it's very interesting like yeah the the whole his mental gymnastics of like I've invited someone they've accepted but they're not coming and somehow that will work out for me I don't know how but um that's all that just again a little another little tangent when when Christian says to the whole group like you know she's coming but like she's not going to come don't worry that is the moment when our our friend Pele does really turn on the charm and the whole you know I know how you feel because my parents have also died yeah and uh gets gets making the connections with Danny to get her to come to Sweden so I think that's a Danny was always going to go to Sweden because Pele was always going to make sure of it exactly yeah all (laughs) Pele pulling the strings behind the scenes (laughs) you're ringmaster Pele yeah (laughs) (laughs) then there's a moment at the the dinner table where I think it's the sort of theorizing of what's happened to Simon and whether potentially Mm. he's just run off and Danny has this sort of almost clarification moment where she goes, I could see you doing that possibly. And I'm like, mm. ooh, something's clicked. It's like, it really gets yeah. me excited. I'm like, it feels like a pivotal moment for Danny that. Definitely. I think it's it's a moment, like I said, that that is a bit of a realisation as you have that, yeah, he really could just up and leave her and just not care, really. Uh for his own easy life and I think that's definitely a pivotal moment when you know I think she gets point she's like would that be the worst thing if we if he wasn't there and I think that's you know that's also Mm -hmm. going on in her mind that she's like at the beginning yeah Christian leaving the room was such like induced to sort of really high state of anxiety in her but like I said when it gets to this point she's sort of been offered an alternative an alternative is there which is very different from Christian and so I think that's that's setting in in motion the thought process of like if you left it wouldn't be the worst thing maybe I should just leave you (laughs) You yeah it's like those first steps it's like Mm. just thinking it before actually doing anything it's like just the thinking is almost like the first step yeah and it's it's nice to see it like from a good good for her perspective it's nice to see her in that moment sort of stepping out a bit and going do you know what actually you're not doing me any good and I I can exist without you yeah yeah that's the moment when yeah that's kind of like there's there's hope for it before it all gets taken away (laughs) bask in its hopeful moment yeah so moving on to Pele then so my question around Pele was, but I feel like your answer, I feel very definitely what your answer will be now. <laughs> is, is that is he is he preying upon her? Is he triggering her specifically through all his actions? You know, there's a lot of times where he's like, this is just between us when he gives her the drawing. Mm. You know, I mean, Christian, as we've discussed, is is no angel. Mm. But I think he he definitely keeps it on, you know, mm. and is yeah. really happy to to appoint blame to him. Um, and you know, I that's why I'm conflicted because I'm like, in one way, is he mm. pushing Danny to see the 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 bad patterns in a relationship? But it's like, is that just being replaced with another potentially unhealthy relationship with Pele? 
Yeah, it's always because again, on the surface, it's like a lot of the things that Pele says, and on the surface, a lot of things that Pele does are, you know, perfectly nice to Danny. It's like it's true that Christian is a terrible, you know, asshole boyfriend, and that should be <laughs> well shot of him. Um, but he's, you know, it's coming from we find out. I think the the underlying motivations are very, you know a very sinister and sort of self-centered on what he wants her to bring to this community um and yeah essentially like the and again all the the sort of emotional things about being held it's like that is true you know and it it does help her to have a realization that christian is not good for her but it's also absolutely i think the more i've seen this film the more it seems it's it's designed specifically to appeal to those particular vulnerabilities and I think there's also an interesting contrast and like it's little bits of the film that I think are really easily overlooked because it's so soon in the beginning which is the phone call that Danny has with her friend right Mm -hmm. at the beginning when she's talking about Christian because her friend is actually you know I think she's incredibly supportive and saying all of these things but seemingly from a much more genuine standpoint you know she's saying when Danny's saying she worries about leaning on Christian, about being a burden, and her friend is saying, no, like, if it's a chore, it shouldn't feel like a chore. Like, and she's like, if you're always the one talking about your problems, maybe it's just that you're the one who is being emotionally open. And mm. it's just that he is, you know, he's not willing to be vulnerable, and you are, and that's that's a strength of yours. That's not like, I'm a bad person. Um, and also, again, I don't know if this is only in the director's car, I can't remember, but when, when they're travelling through Sweden in the car she gets a text message from a friend which I think is the same you know maybe meant to be the same person um, from Amy wishing her a happy birthday as well so it's another little birthday dig at Christian but I feel yeah there's a there's a contrast of like healthy support that Danny could have yes that you know if she had you know if she had maybe not gone to Sweden and you know somehow broken up with Christian that there could have been a support network for it that you know was genuine and you know not coming from this you know basically this sort of very cult-like uh cult-like place that wants to manipulate her rather than actually help her yeah yeah I love that and I love what you say about strength and vulnerability as well because I think that's definitely one of the key things that I found cathartic about the film but um, when Pelly says that he feels held then and, you know, Danny's looking at him and she's not feeling held, I don't think, you know, in that sense. But I'm having this discussion with you now because I'm thinking often she is held when she gets to the community. You know, Pelly holds her, the women hold mm. her. You know, she's literally held on that board when she's the May Queen mm. and she stood up. But then now I'm thinking... Ooh, is that held in a suffocatory way yeah it feels a little bit like like held in like control would, like held yeah control held, it's kind of yeah. smothered almost like yeah like you were saying before about the the distance it went like the kind of crossover of like Christian becoming isolated and Danny becoming part of the community there's also I think Danny goes from being a bit isolated when she arrives and like she's often going off on her own and then she there's a sort of the moment I think when she gets invited into the kitchen feels like the most natural sort of moment when she yeah. actually feels like part of a community but then it does actually as it goes on she's getting pulled more into it but she's also getting more isolated because like she ends up as like the one May Queen 
she's literally put on a pedestal away from other people you know she's surrounded by these flowers which like you know again like isolate her smother her make her you know put her in a in a place where she's actually alone again you know, and put her in a place mm. where she's the only one making this decision which is a very peculiar thing so I think it goes through a cycle again of like the community actually then even though they're they're sort of lifting her up and putting her in a special position they're still isolating her again so she goes she actually becomes isolated again at the end of the film yeah absolutely yeah I had that down that it's like she starts alone and she really ends alone as well Mm. Um, even if it's superficially in a place of power alone yeah it's like you're still alone really yeah, in, in, in a lot of different senses. It's like mm. cut off from civilization as well. Yeah. It's like... Yes, it's like, oh, it's no... yeah, so the, there's no car out of there as we found. No. <laughs> um, so let's get into the ending then. So mm. there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack here. I've got yeah. a lot of thoughts and a, a lot of them are like con- contradictory and I'm like, how do we feel it out in terms of like mm. good for her and what's going on? So Danny, then would you say that she's almost moved from one codependent relationship to another by the film's ending? Yeah, I think definitely, like I said, the more I watch it, the kind of more I feel like it's a very bad for her film. Um it's you know there is that sort of feeling of triumph at the end with like the swelling score and there's a you know it feels like it's still very you know in a way it's kind of satisfying yeah to see her smile at the end um and feel like she has some sort of power but yeah I think she's definitely exchanged like I said one very unhealthy situation for you know I think a, a dangerous situation where she's been manipulated into like a very a very sinister community who you know it's like and on the face of it they have outright murdered several people you know (laughs) christian christian has you know for all his faults is then like essentially like sexually assaulted and murdered it's you know it's not a it's definitely not a good place for her to end up even if she has sort of she's gotten some independence but like i said has has then become like smothered and isolated again and I feel like there's we don't we don't have a sort of sense that the future for Danny there would would necessarily be good I think that's something it's it's almost hard to picture actually what would happen to Danny it the film really ends and you don't get a sense of what next I was like it's yeah (laughs) I don't know how you feel about it it's like I just find it hard to picture it's like well you wake up tomorrow and be like yeah, oh, like more maple feel... dancing, or like <laughs> what now? Then I actually feel like a lot of these good for hair films end in that similar way of like, bang, that's the end, and it's like you're not given the sort of what is life like afterwards. What's mm. the fallout, the aftermath? How do you deal with? How does Danny deal with Christian being burnt alive? Yeah. And where does she put that? Um, you know, and I think. The film doesn't, what I do like about the film and what I think creates this ambiguity is that it neither, it it, it doesn't villainise her. Mm. 
for making this decision and you know there's almost by the end this this notion of her like transcending and like you know she's been so subservient to Christian like for so long and it's now she's in this position of power and she's got a status so it feels very it feels very uplifting to see her have have just the power dynamic to change in their relationship Mm. but as to whether the punishment fits the crime is I don't know another question completely like what do you think about that oh yeah the sort of the punishment for the crime is very um yeah I think it's very unbalanced in in that sense and especially with you know with all the other you know people as well who I don't again I don't know whether this is something like the that the Haga sort of uses a kind of justification because I think all of the all of the other people you know like Connie and Simon and Mark and Josh have all you know transgressed against the community in some way whether it's like you know uh what Connie and Simon I think making a scene at the was it at a stupor the um yeah the, the sort ceremony, of ritual with the elders yeah. and then obviously yeah Mark pissing on the the sacred <laughs> log um and Josh taking photographs it's all it, yeah it feels like it's I mean this is obviously it's like wildly imbalanced punishments and I think yeah Christians is is in a similar vein but like I said I think the whole situation for Danny seems to have become so surreal that like you mentioned she seems like she's sort of transcended somehow like she's yeah in this like surreal flower dress with crowns and obviously and also they've all been absolutely necking back the hallucinogens <laughs> for days so <laughs> it seems like the whole the whole situation I think Danny is probably just feels completely unreal and it's it seems like it's it's the natural end point if you get you know again such a sort of in her own narrative it's like if you're she's offered the choice in the end between like oh I can decide for some random person I've never met to die or like you know here's Christian who you know has been awful to me and he is like completely helpless and I can it's this sort of ultimate power corrupting thing it's like I've been given so much power over him having not had that and it's just it's like just being handed to her it's like here you go for this moment you've got all the power in this situation yeah and it's just like giving relinquishing that power especially when you're being she's like been ritualized as like you're the most powerful figure right now mm-hmm. it's it's very much like well the expectation on you is to wield that power you know yeah, if she if she climbed down and said no I don't think I can do that because it's like I think you know that's not what everything's been building up to it's not I think the path that's been created for her okay it's like it's just, just not part of the design it's like the designers yeah. yeah it feels again it's like you've everything all the all the sort of pieces are in place for her to make that decision I think yeah I can't imagine her going the other way at that point because it just wouldn't yeah yeah, it wouldn't seem to fit with what had happened all leading up to it and you know well obviously in real life I'd never like (laughs) you know give the go-ahead for someone to be set on fire (laughs) in this moment (laughs) I do you know I'm certainly like mentally in my head going do it do it do it yeah (laughs) I mean (laughs) 
Also, I mean, for us, that's the thing for the audience. It's like, it's narratively satisfying because it's like, I don't want to see some rando get burned. I want to see Christian get burned because it ties everything up. He's already in the bear suit. But um, And again, like the choice that Danny has is really for one person to be burnt to death or for a different person to be burnt to death. So she doesn't really have the power of mercy. <laughs> She's just sort of like, pick one and someone's yeah. going to burn. That's interesting, actually, because at the mm. end of the day, it's not much of a choice at all, really, is it? I guess. Yeah, I think it's it's like, well, here's this person. Or, you know, again, if you've just been accepted into this new community, you probably might not want to choose someone that they know. <laughs> True, actually. That's a very smart move. Yeah. But I like, do think um, that... You know, a bit but... awkward afterwards like, with her and Christian just going around. <laughs> true yeah she, she might get like dethroned of her crown yeah. <laughs> but what I do think horror is really good at doing and part of what I like about Midsummer is creating these extreme circumstances that reflect uh, they're like blown up events mm. that reflect sort of the smaller events of our everyday lives so it's like you know as a woman I can connect with this film because I felt mm some of those like subtle behaviors you know directed towards me that I see in people like Christian you know yeah. so it's like I think it's it's delivering something extreme but relatable at the same time if that makes sense no absolutely it's yeah it's a total kind of blown up and like the end does go into like you know a bit of a full-blown revenge fantasy but there are I think yeah there is also lots of lots of little subtler moments like yeah all the little things that Danny sort of that really just dig at her a little bit even if it's not until like the fact that Christian doesn't know how long they've been going out the fact that he doesn't yeah. remember her birthday and it's like these little things that you can kind of recognize of like someone putting up with something or you know behaviors that you recognize but then yeah blowing up onto this kind of grand weird fantasy scale of like what if you know all these all these little yeah day-to-day things were kind of you know you had the chance to sort of play them out in a in a very over-the-top way and thanks to horror we can do it without harming anybody so yes or any bears (laughs) or any yeah yeah any bears either so like is is this a happy ending or is this a tale do you think of indoctrination it's like it seems for me one of the things it's like it's a move from individualism to collectivism as well Mm. and you know just how much are we cheering for Danny at the end you know as she joined a cult is this is this a good for her moment you know or do you see something else there I think yeah it's hard to separate like I said in a way it's it's kind of good for Danny that she's got this kind of you know just the leaving aside all the circumstances that like you know she's gone from this huge anxiety and has got this kind of like journey of you know going through and feeling some acceptance you know being paid attention to even if it's not sort of like we said full real you know being listened to and then has this like absolutely full cathartic you know literally like burn your history in front of yourself and that's like oh I like that you know, burn your that, history yes like everything she's like that's it burn it done you know 
I couldn't start new or something. And that is, I think, feels very cathartic and good for. But yeah, I think uh, underlying it is it's there is definitely a sort of story of indo- like deliberate manipulation and indoctrination by the community. And I think that's very deliberately told as well. I think there's there's elements of like like you said, you you see the kind of the path being laid down for Danny and her being her own vulnerabilities being used. Um, there's also, you know, there's things like I, the set designs are interesting and I sort of looked into that at one point. I think there's things like the big, you know, the sort of living quarters and the sort of, or the designs like this sort of huge building. And some of the uh, the production designers said they, they based some of that on like sort of fascist architecture as well, very deliberately. Oh, okay. um, and looking at the thing, you know, the design, it was supposed to be kind of slightly overwhelming and like, Oh, it is. It totally yeah, is. It's like the, the whole the design of the whole village is meant to sort of intimidate, but also to get, you know, to get Danny into a space where, yeah, she sort of feels part of the community, but also has a little choice about it. There's very little choice going on, which I think is a, a key bit of why I think it's a, ultimately not a happy ending. For Danny. <laughs> it feels like it feels like she's got catharsis, but I don't think she has agency. Yeah, and like to touch touching on the, it's fascinating to hear you talk about like the set designs and the choices there. Because one of the things I was thinking about is like the this is known for being like a bright film, you know, horror in mm. daylight, you know. And I was thinking about the power of the light in the sense of it. There's like a duality there of it being both like you know comforting and gorgeous and mm. inviting, and signaling towards you know like the divine and wholeness and that sort of thing. But then also like the bright lights being like a blinding and mm. almost like working to blind Danny as in like, is that some sort of nod towards what the community are doing to Danny? Mm. Oh, definitely. I think definitely. Yeah. It's like, like you said, the there is a kind of overwhelming attention on her. Like you mentioned a kind of suffocating this. And I think the sun, it can be, yeah, there's, it's, it feels relentless. I think that there's, um yeah it's just all it's ever present apart from like a very few scenes um and it's it's so there and it's always like you know like um mark when he's <laughs> tripping and freaked out it's like it's 9 p.m and we can see through blue skies and that, <laughs> that's again i think it's a very deliberate choice in the film to have it like i don't think we ever see any clouds is that something i might have read there or we only get like we only get a couple of direct shots of the sun but it's always so bright such a clear blue sky and there's no there's no shade ever really apart from like within the actual building it's like there's nowhere to kind of escape from it it's like yeah very much I think sort of blinded by all this bright pageantry and sort of bright sunlight yeah and I guess in that sense everything's out in the open so everyone can see there's Mm. no sort of hiding um Mm. So is there anything that we haven't touched upon that you wanted to mention or discuss before we wrap up? I just, I suppose like just to mention, I mean, maybe because I just, I love it. So I just want to mention <laughs> the, um, the score, which I think is brilliant. Um, oh yeah. That like, you know, I think one of the, one of the reasons I think the last scene is so powerful is the, like the last song, which is very kind of starts off very kind of gentle and well you know the flames just coming up and really builds up to like such a 
such a massive cathartic moment while Danny's sort of crying and then has all the sort of slightly slightly weird minor key stuff coming up and like discordant yeah. notes in it that it, it really it makes you feel like this isn't this isn't a purely triumphant moment there's something very wrong here but it's still you still get swept along with it um it I think that the score really follows Danny's emotions throughout the whole film it's really closely linked to her and uh, yeah I think it just adds like a really interesting dimension to it Great. Well, thanks so much for joining me today. Um, I'm sure people are keen to hear like where they can find you on socials and what you're up to at the moment. So if you want to tell people all about that. Yeah, I mean, the best place to find me is just on Twitter, which is at Chloe Oriel, um, C-H-L-O-E-O-R-I-E-L. Remember to spell my own name. Um, yeah, that's kind of got all my links to all my stuff I mentioned at the beginning. That's the best place to go. Fab. And um, I am on Twitter and Instagram at Pencil Pumpkin. I have recently released a zine called Mums and Sons, which explores familial relationships in Psycho, the Babadook and Hereditary. So if you're into any or all of those films, you might want to pick up Ooh. a copy yeah <laughs> another Ari Aster film there so any oh, Ari yeah. fans get on it um <laughs> you, you can uh, pick that up at Plastic Brain Press um where they are on socials at Brain Plastic and you can also find the link within my link tree as well in my socials I've also got an ongoing series on the women of Hitchcock's films with the fabulous moving pictures film club uh so check that out as well and I'm currently editing the second edition of the amazing Hero Scream Horror Anthology. Um, don't forget to check out ghoulsmagazine.com for the latest editorials, reviews on podcasts. And lastly, just a huge thank you to the ever amazing Anatomy of a Scream for hosting this series and allowing us to contribute. We are now. Thank you so much. Yeah, we are now in your cult. It's official. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks every, very much, everyone. Bye. Bye. The Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad.